When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the true story of a New York City boy with big town hopes and small neighborhood dreams of becoming BFFs with the Real Housewives and other Bravo celebrities. Then, one day, that dream actually came true. Let me take you behind the velvet rope. Hey everyone, this is David. Welcome back behind the velvet robe. Oh, let's just get right into it today because we are joined by the one, the only Miss Lady Bunny. Hello, David. How are you? How are you today? Now, do you prefer to be called Miss Bunny, Lady Bunny, Bunny? You know what? Sometimes RuPaul will call me the lady bunny because when we got our start together in atlanta georgia um i did call myself the lady bunny uh which don't ask why it was an in joke not worth it uh never that funny funny to begin with but then i put quotes around lady and so then people were getting it mixed up and putting quotes around the as if there was another lady bunny and i said you know what let's just simplify it and have it be lady bunny but it's natural for people to call me either you know miss bunny or miss bun bun or lady bun bun so baby as long as you call me i'm not too bothered about the (laughs) seriously right (laughs) call me (laughs) call you call you call you well i have called you and i really appreciate you saying yes to sitting down and chatting with me i am so excited to chat with you same here we have so much to get into. Now, where are you now? I mean, I, I'm in New York, but where are you? I'm in New York City. I live in Greenwich Village, and it's a beautiful day. You do live in Greenwich Village. I, I, I live in Chelsea, and I pass you, I've passed you on the street many a time. I didn't know if you lived in the village or just did a lot of work in the village, but you're close. Yes, you're very. Close. we're neighbors. You never know who's in New York anymore these days, right? Well, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm one of those who's kind of a, a lifer, you know, I can't really imagine doing what I do anywhere else. And I understand that for those who can work from home, they did, they, they may have left New York because they want to a have a bigger place for less money and, totally. um, and, and B not be in, in, in a place where we're packed you know, on top of each other like sardines, which may, you know, lead to more risk of, of COVID infection. So I understand it, but I can't really do what I, I, I need to have fabric stores. Like when the fabric stores and the notion stores, the trimming and all that stuff for, for, even though I don't sew, but you know, that made me feel when they reopened, I was back in the game that, you know, even though things were slow, you know, I could get dresses made, you know, do my holiday stuff and all that. So Seriously, um, I need to be here. I mean, you know, you could look at a fabric on, uh, 
line, but it's they're not they're going to put filters on it. You got to go look at it and feel it and see if it wrinkles and hold it up in the light and see if it twinkles and all that. <laughs> have Have you had bad luck with ordering fabrics online? I've had bad luck with ordering Facebook uh, stuff with Facebook ads, and mm. a lot of them don't say that the companies are in China and that it's going to be three months for, before it gets there. And also, as a plus-size diva, XXL in China ain't XXL in the U.S., because, honey, we like to eat. It just XXL is not the same as it is here, but yeah, you can you can get you can get um, uh, you can get ripped off by the online stuff. I don't, for one, I don't understand. You know, with with the shoe comfort being so important, I don't understand how people can shop for shoes online. You know, <laughs> that that I don't understand. I don't understand how because like now there's really no dressing rooms either. Like I had to buy stuff the other day, just clothes. And I'm like, I ordered it online. And I'm like, all right, I guess this is gonna have to work. Uh, well, it, it, it's, it's stick with the elasticized waistbands. And then you can just eat as much as you want. Well, now that it's COVID, <laughs> that, that's pretty much exactly what I've been doing. Um, where are you? So you're from Georgia originally, right? I'm from, uh, I grew up in nearby Chattanooga, Tennessee, which is right on the border of Georgia and Tennessee. I'm from Wilmington, North Carolina, but I've been here for 35 years in New York and I'm, I'm a lifer. You are a lifer. I'm a lifer. Well, that's what I said, like with COVID. I'm like, you know, this is my home. Like, I'm not leaving. I, I thought of leaving for, you know, a minute, but I'm like, yeah, it'll always come back to New York for me and I'm not leaving because then you're like, why am I moving all around just to come back? That makes no sense at all. Well, especially if you have an uh, apartment you've had for a while and, and it's reasonable. But look, I've looked around in other boroughs and I've, I, I kind of agree with my uh, friend who said, I didn't move to New York City to live in, you know, um, uh, anywhere but Manhattan. And that's, that's just kind of, even though Manhattan has changed, that's still my feeling. And I, I, I can't imagine, you know, like, I mean, I know some friends who love the calm, excuse me, <clears throat> of living upstate or something, but, you know, I would just wake up and walk outside and think, oh my God, where's the action? <laughs> this is this is deadly dull. Is there no trouble I can get into? And it's like then, oh, you know, sometimes sometimes we get a little sometimes we have a promiscuous side and you really don't want to be stuck in a small town with the same people. <laughs> Uh, and honey, I'm sure you agree with me after 35 years. New York is small enough, right? But yeah, yeah. And 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 uh, I just can't imagine. I can't imagine um, being in upstate New York. I mean, I could. I can't think of what city it would be that I could move to, but I could think of maybe moving to another city like Amsterdam, which has legal weed um, and prostitution, so you can just get really stoned and then just start turning tricks. <laughs> Listen, honey, I mean, there's nothing, you know, this is COVID, so that's not a bad way to spend your time, right? Well, actually, a lot of, 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 of people are, are, are doing, you know, OnlyFans, and, and uh, so, hey, more power to them. Exactly. Well, I mean, I, I have an exclusive contract with OnlyGrands. <laughs> 
Well, there you go. I mean, and we're actually, speaking of OnlyFans, I mean, we're going to get into all the current stuff you have going on now, the HHN, a little bit later in this chat with Miss Bianca Del Rio. But she said it, I think, that you guys are not doing OnlyFans just because, you know, not because you don't want to, but because you're too ugly. Her words, not mine. <laughs> You got to love the shade of Miss Del Rio, right? Oh, of course. Even when she's throwing it on herself and she, and she always does. And she is a, a, a she, she's a treat, but we'll talk about that later on. Um, yes. Great. I loved working with her. As um, always. Yes, we, we must discuss that. So what was growing up like in where, where you grew up? Like what was Chattanooga, that like? Chattanooga, Tennessee. It was, yeah. a, I, I, it was fine. You know, it was like an, you know, just like a very typical suburban um, experience. You know, my parents were, you know, I'm very lucky in terms of them accepting me as whatever I wanted to be. And in fact, I even challenged them at one point and, you know, was watching probably that girl with Marlo Thomas. Oh, and wow. there was always like a pressure for her to, to date, you know, doctors or lawyers and uh this was a common theme in the 1960s and 70s like that girls should look for you know husbands who make a lot of money and so i would ask my parents so do you not want me to be a doctor or a lawyer and they would say not if you don't want to and now they say oh you really called our bluff <laughs> well that's I said, well, you said I could, there's a you big old drag queen, but no, there, there, I could, I, I did look out in the parents department and it really, you know, I'd be, I'd be, of course we go through that period in our teens where we resent our parents, teens and twenties, um, you know, sometimes mine lasted a little bit longer, but you know, you, you, you want to become your own person. And oh, so right. you're, you, you're, it's, it's important for you to say, I'm not them. I'm me. That's how they did things. This is how I'm going to do things as I set off on my own. But after I'd been on my own, I realized that some of my friends couldn't even tell their parents that they were gay, much less that they are, you know, have a career doing drag, which mine have been supportive of. And um, I don't, I don't, I don't say that they necessarily understand it, um, but they, they get it by now. The wait is over. That's right. Season five of The Kardashians is here. Just when you thought life couldn't get any faster, they're punching it into overdrive. Chris, Courtney, Kim, Chloe, Kendall, and Kylie are back and continue to defy expectations in all their endeavors. So get ready to go behind the glitz and glamour of the most iconic family on television. The all-new season of The Kardashians premieres May 23rd, streaming on Hulu. Well, that's good. And what about, like, high school? I mean, like, was it the typical, you know, like, I guess I'm just putting you in the alternative category. I was in the alternative category myself. Like, did you, were you, like, high school bullied? I mean, uh, I was, or you didn't even have, it was, no, I'm just making that up and making your life more dramatic than it is. Well, I mean, I... <laughs> I was actually on student council okay. and, and kind of popular. And I think I coasted through it. Anyone that met me knew that I was a sissy and that I wasn't interested in sports and that I was femmy and I always had long hair. So um, the, 
that they just kind of put me in this boat as other, but I think that because I, I really don't know because I was popular or whatever, I kind of got through it. Now, when my elementary school um, uh, fed into my junior uh, high school, I was cool through that period. But then when my junior high school fed into my high school, where these most of these kids had were coming from other schools and had not grown up with me and knowing my ways and accepting them for the most part, there was a little bit of trouble there, but I only stayed at that high school for one year. And uh, so that was that. So yeah, you know what? Somehow I, I coasted through it and I'm lucky in that respect because I'm kind of a strong person, but, um, and, 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 and not everyone is. So, you know, I, I, I was resourceful and I found validation through working in, you know, local dinner theater or my dad was a professor. So I would do theater uh, when they needed a child or teens role in uh, the university uh, theatrical productions. So I was hanging out with college students and I, I kind of, you know, would, would, um, I mean, at one point they asked me to audition for some high school production of South Pacific. And I just kind of like rolled my eyes and I was like, um, I'm doing dinner theater, <laughs> which is, right. which is, which now, now I know that dinner theater was, uh, is kind of looked down upon as like, you know, second class, <laughs> but, but I, I, I was, you know, I, I was like audition me would you audition you know oh my god so i mean you know i i i you know i i was able to look outside the experiences of everything that was going on and know that there were other worlds in which i was more accepted whether it was the theater with plenty of other gays and you know um can we still say fag hags um or or with my parents you know so um you know i i um you know i i i i didn't have it rough in that respect but you know I, i will say that there are negative messages given to LGBT people from their schoolmates, from their parents sometimes, from their, and not in my case, from their church. My parents are quite religious. And those messages really sink in. And some of those messages are things like gays deserve AIDS because they're sinful. I mean, this is what Donna Summer was busted on um after getting so much success as a disco queen you know beloved by the gays in the 80s she kind of you know uh you know came off of the cocaine and got back to her religious roots and thought oh what have i been doing having orgasms in songs like oh love to love you baby well that's a classic you know what i mean it's a classic, but it was banned in Chattanooga. And sometimes, you know, these churchy singers who became beloved by gays who really boosted their careers, um, they they kind of, you know, like in, in her case, when she got off the drugs, they went back to their churchy roots and they kind of disapproved of some of their fans. And so, um, you know, that, that's, that's uh, you, you, you have to be on even if you are a strong person like me, you never know where these messages can seep into your subconscious. Uh, 
And it is important to be aware of them and to shut them down. That is true. Were you, were you and are you a Donna Summer fan? Oh, I'm, I'm a huge Donna Summer fan. And, and I'm actually, you know, um, I, I don't have to agree with everything everyone does to like them. Like, you know, I mean, I love Joan Rivers and she was a Republican. <laughs> um, yes. You know, I, 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 um, I'm not of the mindset that we need to shut everyone down if we don't like every single one of their tweets. And a, a, a funny example is that uh, some people in the gay community who are perhaps more PC than I am, they busted Chris Rock for his monologue where he told an AIDS joke involving Freddie Mercury. And I was like, uh, I didn't see that yet. But at the same time that I became aware, actually the night before while he was doing it, you know, live, a friend of mine with HIV texted me and said, Chris Rock is killing it on SNL right now. So it, it just depends where your where your mindset is at. I don't believe we should shut people down if we don't care for their act. Uh, I think yeah, we should just I focus mean, on I... the act of who we like. Just focus on who you like and 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 don't don't don't. I, I don't I don't want to to shut people down. You know, I want them to do their thing and you know uh, and let me do mine. Cause I thing, agree I with think, you. I'm I'm I not into it, cancel culture personally. No. Yeah. Well, I mean, my own act is, is, is dirty. And, um, you know, I know, I mean, there's a word that, that we're not supposed to use that is, uh, that is, refers to trans people that rhymes with the word granny. And I have a trans friend who is a punk rock trans pioneer from the Warhol days, along with Hollywood Lawn and Candy Darling, who uses that word to refer to trans people uh that rhymes with granny so i mean i'm i'm gonna listen to the pioneers you know it's who like, is this friend and any, anyone i know jane, uh, she's jane county she became okay uh if you don't famous for main uh, for for her incredible live shows but uh her biggest hit was if you don't want to fuck me baby 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 fuck off and she's one of the best performers i've ever seen she she influenced david bowie Oh, wow. uh, she may have influenced the story of Hedwig, and she's just a fascinating person who I actually heard about on the news in uh, Chattanooga because her band was Wayne County and the Electric Chair Chairs, and when she transitioned, she changed it to uh, Jane County and the Electric Chairs. She's still making music and was kicked off Facebook for using that word to refer to herself, which she is obviously comfortable with but which the pc police now are not wow oh, well i okay there's <laughs> no i mean i agree with pretty much before we continue this conversation i just want to say that 2020 has certainly been a year and at the beginning of quarantine there was a lot getting in the way of my happiness and achieving my goals and i turned to better help which is online professional counseling. And it really helped me not only achieve happiness during this time, but really achieve my goals. Behind the Velvet Rope went from two times a week to four times a week. And I wrote a book, the Behind the Velvet Rope book. So for anyone that feels that things are getting in the way of their happiness and achieving their goals, 
I strongly recommend BetterHelp. You don't even have to leave your house. It is online professional counseling. And what I love about it is you can start communicating with them within 24 hours of signing up. Anyone that knows me knows that if you don't get back to me, that is a huge pet peeve of mine. These counselors get back to you in a very timely manner, and you're really matched with a counselor that fits your needs. If you get a counselor that you don't like, you can just request another counselor. Everything, of course, is confidential. They deal with a variety of issues, depression, stress, anxiety, sleep. We're all having trouble sleeping during this. Trauma, anger, family conflicts, self-esteem, grief, LGBTQIA issues. And I have to say, it is actually more affordable than traditional online counseling and financial aid is available for anyone that cannot afford it. So they're growing so rapidly and so many people are turning to BetterHelp for help that they're looking for additional counselors in all 50 states. Go to betterhelp.com. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash velvet rope betterhelp.com slash velvet rope and you get 10% off your first month. Join over 1 million people today taking charge of their mental health. You're not alone. If you need help, this is a great solution. Betterhelp.com slash velvet rope and get 10% off your first month. Everything you just said. I mean, I'm personally not a fan of cancel culture. That's just me. I feel like you do you. And if I don't agree with anything you say or do, that's okay. You're a human being and you do you and I'm going to do me. I think we've taken this whole cancel culture thing way too far. Honestly. What you you just described is freedom. Yeah. You do you and you do me. Understand that we're not all going to agree and understand that we don't have to pile on to everyone who, you know, doesn't agree with us or who makes a mistake. Exactly. I, I just don't think we should have to walk on eggshells with different opinions, you know? I mean... Well, I agree. And speaking of people who I think would agree with you, you mentioned that you are a huge fan of Joan Rivers, which I am as well. I mean, is that, was that like, cause I'm, I was going to ask you like your comedy, like where, you know, like who, who did you look to for your comedic sense? Was Joan Rivers one of those that you looked up to? She was one that I look up, looked up to. I didn't really, you know, ever, you know, fashion myself after any comedian, but She's hilarious. I mean, did you hear the joke that Howard Stern read at her uh, funeral right after the gay men's chorus sang? Yes. Yes, I did. (laughs) For those who didn't, (laughs) she said that, oh, her pussy is so dry. Uh, You know, if Whitney Houston's pussy had been that dry, she wouldn't have drowned in the bathtub because it would have absorbed all the water. (laughs) So... That is now, now. That is a. It's a grim, you know, black humor. The uh, you know, dark humor joke. But to me, that's hilarious. And honey, in this godforsaken world with a fucking pandemic, the second that I've lived through, I am going to gravitate to what gives me a chuckle, whether you think it's right or wrong. I need to laugh. I need to love and live and all. So, Seriously, you know that that we, you know, I I I don't want to police other people's, you know, um, 
uh, acts. I really don't. And, you know, I, 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 I thought that the whole Ellen controversy um, was interesting because people, you know, turned on Ellen because her staff was allegedly inappropriate in sexual situation and then in a couple of other, you know, situations. And I don't think anyone was saying that Ellen herself was guilty of any of this, but people are so ready to pile on. Now, to be honest with you, I'm not a huge Ellen fan. I don't have anything against her. I mean, she's obviously, she, she obviously has um, uh, a huge following and, and does what she does well. It's not my cup of tea, um, but you know, the show's been on there for, for 10 years, but I kind of wish she could have said, well, you called, um, you, you, you called me brave when I came out as a lesbian and everybody nowadays wants to talk about, Ooh, strong women. Well, guess what? I am a lesbian and you know what? Sometimes I'm a bitch and, and you may have bought this. Uh, so now I'm coming out of the closet as a bitch or, or as someone who doesn't police my staff in the way that you think that I should, you know, because it's like, um, you know, when you're a star of Ellen's stature, I think you probably just go in and do your job and you've been doing it for a long time. And then you just get the fuck out of there and everyone else, you know, cleans up after you or does whatever else is after, you know, I, I don't think that, you know, I mean, they're, they're acting like this was like a culture that she had cultivated of evil people, you know? So I, I, I know that Ellen has made a name for herself by being Miss Nice. Yeah. But, you know, and, and this is where it becomes an issue when people find out that you aren't nice. Here's another example. Do you, well, do you think Ellen's not really nice though, before we go to your other example? I have no idea, but that is what is rumored in Hollywood. And that is what is often the case with some of our funniest comics with Jerry Lewis uh, being a, a, a famous example, you know, goofy and daffy and funny as hell, but not a nice guy like like notoriously evil right and you know i never bought rosie o'donnell as a chirpy you know fat chick with a crush on tom cruise i never bought that i never bought that whole act and then so when it turns when it turned out to not be true um you know she actually did say some mean things that proved that she wasn't a chirpy Broadway loving chick. I mean, she could still love Broadway and I'm sure she still does, but, um, you know, I think, you know, she said, she told some woman who works for her, who had cancer, you deserve cancer. Now, I don't know what context that happened in, but it's yes. not something that a chirpy, cheerful, Oh, I just love Tom Cruise, you know, kind of personality. The same with, you know, RuPaul. I mean, Rue's shtick is everybody say love and I'm Mama Rue, the mentor. But as someone who's known Rue for decades, Rue enjoys twisted humor. Rue uh, comes from an alternative culture of, 
you know, punk rock and new wave alternative rock and roll clubs where, you know, there was, there, there, there were, you know, drugs and sex and rock and roll and everything else you can, you can imagine, uh, plenty of alcohol. So it's, it, you know, it's, but, but, but Rue's, you know, thing that sold for him uh, is this, I'm a mentor above reproach, you know, immaculately styled and, and stuff like that. So when Rue tries to vary from the formula that sold, and for example, for the season 12 finale, he put on an unusual purple latex face mask that kind of looked like a designer version of a Mexican wrestlers, um, people freaked out over it because it was just so, you know, off brand. So, to, so when you sell yourself as something, people get upset, confused, or angry that you may not be what you've sold yourself as. I think people should be a little bit more risk, more realistic and realize that, honey, probably no one is what they sell themselves as. And, you know, I, I remember this going back to um, uh, marveling as a teenager when I found out that people would send floral ar arrangements when soap stars characters died not mm. the, the actor who played them didn't die right the died so there right. was flowers to no one i mean this is kind of well it's ignorant <laughs> listen i mean people well i mean with with rupaul at least you know you know where the bodies are buried because you guys kind of came up the drag ranks together right <laughs> I don't know if I'd say you don't I have to agree the, with I, me. I don't know if I'd say I know where the bodies are buried, but I've had a lot of shared experiences with him, you know, coming up when, you know, and interactions with him. One of the reasons we get along well is that we both enjoy a twisted sense of humor, but that's not his shtick. And, you know, so that's not what he does when he's, you know, uh, on camera. Right. That makes but he sense. will he will come to my show or to another, you know, friend show, and you know. So I mean, you know, it's 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 the the, you know, we we can't deceive ourselves and think that Rue is like this precious saint mentor who is running around looking to help all the dr budding drag queens. <laughs> because right. Rue is also a business person, you know, who has to make tough decisions, and Rue is also a performer with all of the, um, uh, you know, ego and uh, uh, insecurities that come along with that. I mean, you know, so, I mean, we have to be a little bit more realistic. And, and if we were more realistic, then if we find out some dirt that changes our image of RuPaul, Ellen, uh, uh, Rosie O'Donnell, or whoever, um we won't be that disappointed. I would agree with that too. I mean, and that's why I want to be who I am and I may not get as far because, uh, I love dirty jokes and, uh, Bianca loves insult humor. And although she's certainly done well, she sold out Wembley arena and 
Seriously. You know, I mean, she's got fans all over the world. So um, that's why it's important to me to, to, to actually be who I am. So I don't think, and and I'll talk about, you know, drugs or sex or anything, uh, you know, um, at any time on any social media platform. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it is a lot more freeing just to be yourself. But I mean, I agree. Like, I think a lot of people lose sight of the fact that it is a business and you morph into this business persona. I mean, you're still yourself, but you have a shtick that works and it makes you money and it makes you a lot of money in a lot of cases. Right. Right. So, so it is so you're, and you hit the nail on the head. That is why Ellen cannot do what I wish she would do and say, I came out as a dyke. Now I'm coming out as a bitch. Uh, you know, she can't do that because she does make so much money being Mrs. Nice, Miss, not Mrs. Or is it Mrs.? I don't know how you, what we call a married lesbian. Ms. Ms. I don't know. Uh, butch. <laughs> Oh um, I don't, I don't know what you, you, but, but yeah, I mean, you know, she's, she's, yeah, I, I don't know. It, it, I, sometimes the people, yeah, what, I, I think we covered that. <laughs> well, no, I mean, I, I don't I, think it, I don't think that Ellen needs career advice. Right. Like I don't, me. and if she took it, it would totally tank her career. If people can't handle some of her staff who she probably does not personally oversee i mean there were some people who worked on the staff which um uh you know kind of said that 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 with several staff members you know engaging in this kind of behavior that was you know abusive but then you, that that there was kind of a culture of it so you know she made an apology and maybe she she was aware of it maybe she wasn't we'll never know but her show you know, continues, but we also have to ask what, what is considered abusive, you know, Um, because that's not the same thing, um, you know, uh, to everyone, just in the same way that my friend with HIV loved Chris Rock's AIDS joke, and uh, others would find that offensive abusive i mean look there's different standards for the workplace and i don't know everything that was alleged but we should probably move on from from this because yes. it's, it's it's a couple months old <laughs> yes well i was going to ask you because i mean one of my questions anyway but you kind of led into it what was rupaul like back before he was the RuPaul that is now on Drag Race and is perceived to be helping all these baby drags all over the like. What was RuPaul like back in the day? Beautiful and charismatic and uh, a great dancer. He does not dance much. Actually, he does dance when he get, does a DJ gig, and um, you'll see him dance. But uh, Ru is a great dancer, and you know that's how you know he made a living go-go dancing. Uh, on a box at a club called weekends in Atlanta. And, um, you know, he would also go up to people and, and say, give me a dollar. And, uh, they would, they would do it. So supermodel was actually a beggar. Wow. <laughs> well, th- th- there you go. But, but I mean, you know, it wasn't like, you know, like a beggar on the street, but 
it was, it, you know, like you're, you're in a club and you're messed up on booze or whatever. And someone comes up to you and asks you for a dollar and they're wearing this crazy outfit, you know, with a mohawk and makeup and shoulder pads uh, f- from a football player and uh, wading boots up to their thighs and a jock strap. And you just think it's such an idiotic idea that you give them a dollar. Or sometimes he would sell a book as I did. We made little Xerox books and you know sold them so i mean it was just wow (laughs) the honey the queen was always a marketer (laughs) seriously how did you come up with your name because i know at first your name was bunny hickory dickory doc so how did you come up with that and how did that become lady bunny well honey let's just say that we took lsd occasionally and (laughs) um that was never i mean i don't think i really build myself that for very long but at the same time uh in the uh you know early 80s john uh cougar had changed his name to john cougar mellencamp yeah and for some reason that just struck me as insane so i would also sometimes call me call myself (laughs) the lady bunny hickory dickory doc cougar mellencamp i mean just just to be silly I mean, I was not someone, I was someone who wanted to meet boys and get drunk and run around and drag. I never dreamt that this would be a career. You didn't? No, 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 no. But, you know, Rue, you know, Rue was a mentor uh, to to me, uh, I think in a, in a, in a, in an actual, you know, life (laughs) way, um, uh, probably way more so than other than than queens who passed through on different seasons of drag race i mean rue taught me about music that i still worship to this day like what um, like what music oh like ashford and simpson uh mm. rue is an icon uh, 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 like chic which i already knew but um he taught me more about you know who produced what and what songwriters he, he's an encyclopedic knowledge if you ever listen to his podcast he knows who produced what you know tv shows and what music and you know once i was with him in new york and we ran into uh is it Mika or Misha Paris? And she was a huge, uh, a black uh, lady recording, not huge in terms of size, um, uh, in, who had a big record deal and was in London, uh, was huge in, in Europe, not huge, but catching on. And she was in New York and Rue immediately recognized her. So he's always had this eye for the mm. business. And she was surprised that he recognized her because um, she had not taken off here. Wow. And so, he li- and yeah. Rue likes Jody Watley because I saw him at a Jody Watley concert. So there you go. Yeah. And I mean, one day we were driving around in Atlanta and um, uh, we passed the lead singer of Cameo and, mm. you know, Rue knew exactly who it was. So he's always had a, a show business mind. What was New York like back in the 80s? Or well, like 90s. it was cheap to live here, and the club scene was brilliant, and the music scene was exploding with, you know, I mean, the DJs that we, that were our, like, in-house DJs at our clubs were producing hits uh, that were played all, 
all over the world and kept the whole world dancing. I'm talking about masters at work, Frankie Knuckles, David Morales, um, you know, the, the, you know, all of those, you know, alternate crystal waters, Barbara Tucker. Those were all like from here, Baltimore, you know, I mean, Chicago. I mean, so it was, it was, it was, uh, it wasn't like today where the clubs just pay play top 40. Right. You know? And the clubs were legendary, like limelight tunnel, Twilo, Roxy. Well, they, were, they were huge and huge. We, we stopped you know dancing uh you know like that so i i i don't think that younger people unless they have been to raves i don't think that they understand what it was like to walk into a club say oh my god i love this song run to the dance floor without even checking your coat, have your friends go get drinks, and then you sit and you stay dancing all night long, and you don't know any of the music because it's underground. Yeah. And that's why you paid the DJ, because they had the good taste. That's why you paid to get in. If you want to hear Top 40, sit your ass at home and and and, uh, and play the radio. Yeah, that... That is how it was. So clubs aren't quite as cool nowadays. Now, listen, there are cool clubs in Brooklyn uh, that, that, that do play more underground music. And so they are keeping that torch alive, but they've, they've left Manhattan. They have left Manhattan. What about the cold club kid scene back then? You know, like Amanda Lepore and Richie Rich and. Yes. I mean, I was included uh, in that scene, in that. because Michael Alig was, you know, um, the king of the club kids, and he did hire us. But as Amanda is trans, yes, and 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 and, and I'm a drag queen. Yes, I, we weren't exactly club kids who were like gluing a purple uh, toy shoe onto the end of our nose. Right. I mean, we, we, we were accepted and, and part of that community and hired, you know, to do the same parties as that community, but we were not, you know, um, you know, I mean, Amanda was more like sex bomb who's had a lot of surgery and I was more like, you know, some crazy thing from the 1960s in vintage looking you know stuff so right. um, you know, a, a, a total drag queen so um you know we, we the club kids were kind of other and right you know, the, the most interesting of them did otherworldly looks you know with horns or you know all over blue body makeup and you know just you know stuff that was that was um you know i mean very very different i mean compared to some of them amanda and i were trans uh, 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 traditional were you close with michael alleg i was i i worked for him and i was glad to be employed by him and i appreciated that he um you know, if I ever said we need to do a, a benefit for Wigstock because it's coming up and we're broke, he he said when he didn't say let me think about it. You know, he said when do you want to do it, and and here's what the budget is. So, um, you know, he was supportive of me, and uh, he was also um, someone who was a maestro who orchestrated many many fun parties. Now he's remembered now as someone who 
chopped up his drug dealing roommate and put them in a <laughs> the 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 river. That's what he's remembered as. That is uh, what he's remembered as. Yes, like yes. for all for all the millennials out there, true story. He chopped up his roommate and kept him in the bathtub, and then it started to smell, and they put him in the river. Right, and um, you know, so I, I but and even though that's horrible. Um, and, and he, he, hey, if you believe in the justice system, he went to jail for it and got out. So, I mean, you know, uh, he did the crime and he did his time and I don't keep in touch with him. Uh, I did a little bit, but I, um, I, I would occasionally, you know, if Amanda was in a, in a magazine or whatever I had his address in prison and I would just like put a, um, you know, I'm not saying that he created Amanda, but like with me, he created opportunities for her to blossom as this, you know, scene queen. So, you know, if she was on a magazine, you know, or something like that, I might send it to him in jail. And, uh, you know, we, we did correspond from time to time, but he was falling off the wagon in jail. And I, you know, I, after, you know, reprimanding him for, for that and saying, Michael, if you don't understand now that, that, you know, this drug thing made you kill somebody in a very gruesome fashion, and that's why you're in jail. I mean, so, so it, it's easy for me to say that, though, because I've never been in jail, and I don't know what kind of torture it is that, uh, that might make a drug addict relapse, because when Michael killed angel i can pretty safely say that he was addicted to at least two drugs so he he was not uh thinking clearly i mean when you're when you're twisted out of your mind yeah. and you've been up for days without food or sleep um you know what was it like? Like, was that as shocking? Because, you know, like, I remember reading about that a little bit after the fact. Like, was it as shocking, you know, like, in the community? Just, like, in the nightlife, whether you're a club kid or not, like, the New York nightlife of... Because, like, then didn't he brag about it for days and, like, that I killed this person and no one believed him? Like, and then when it was found out, like, was that, like, a sh like a shock wave that went through, like, the New York nightlife community? It was. I mean, Michael Musto in the Village Voice was reporting on it, yeah. you know, kind of regularly. But to be honest with you, that is uh, the 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 I, I I did not like the the fascination with it. I do not come from a family of bad people uh, who would do anything like that. Right, and I really. It made me pull back and say, because uh, I was certainly involved in drugs and lots of drinks and, you know, carrying on at his outlaw parties and could have been scooped up and put in jail at any moment. It just kind of made me pull back and say, is this really what you want to do with your life? And so by the time that everyone found out that what that he had killed and dismembered Angel, um, I was just sick of hearing about it and I knew that I needed to focus on performing and I was touring more and, you know, so I, I kind of bowed out of the uh, New York club scene 
to a greater extent and focused on 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 traveling uh and 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 building my audience so um you know that that and that was what i did until you know covid <laughs> hit so for quite a while when did you first like when was your first big quote unquote break like when did you say oh this drag thing like this could be a living for me like i'm good at it i can actually make a living at it do you remember that um well um i would say that wigstock which was the fe- the focus of uh the subject of Wigstock the movie in 1995 and then HBO did wig another movie about it that I think you can still watch on HBO um, uh, two years ago, a year and a half ago. So, I mean, creating Wigstock would be my claim to fame. I don't know if that's my big break. My big break was arriving with RuPaul and a band who he and I, you know, go-go dance for called the now explosion. And it was a drag queen owned and operated venue. And we were hired to go-go dance on the bar. So that was the, you know, when I had done little guest spots in uh, Rouge shows in Atlanta, he didn't really pay. So um, that was the first time that I had made money um, as a drag queen. And I absolutely uh, felt at home at the pyramid. I felt, um, you know, it was a mixed rock and roll club, yeah. but it was, it was run by drag queens. So it was really a creative environment. It was a, you know, I mean, some of the talent that came in and out of there or through there or fostered from it were delight, uh, the nineties musical supergroup. Yeah. uh, Anthony and the Johnsons who are phenomenal I, fucking phenomenal yeah Phil's Sydney Opera House and uh also um uh I mean there there were many I mean the the, the you know many Joey Arias Lipsinka um you know a lot of New York legends came through the pyramid it was a great, I mean, it is a great space, even though it's changed. How did you, how did Wigstock come about in 1985? Like, where did that idea come from? Like, how did that all get organized? Well, the pyramid closed. We were drunk. And so we clowned around in the uh, Tompkins Square. Oh, and wow. we uh, um, just thought, what if we had, what if we kind of did a spoof on Woodstock and did a festival not of rock? stuff uh, but rock bands like Woodstock but we did drag queens of course Pyramid was a rock club so mixed in with the drag queens there were many uh, you know rock bands who would play as well or, or other kinds of bands so it was uh, it was I just thought that the, the the talent at the Pyramid was so inspiring to me that I wanted it to have a bigger audience outdoors than um those who could fit in the 200 the uh, you know capacity yeah it's small yeah. were you were you shocked or are you shocked that like a wig stock has you know it's taken on a life of its own like it's a legendary thing well it, it ha- it's taken on a death of its own too but <laughs> yeah every, everything has with coronavirus yes i mean we did it for about 20 years and then we had a cup we did like a couple of wig stock themed cruises after that then we reunited uh with um uh, a new team 
to do the wig movie and put the show on way downtown in a beautiful location. Um, but New York is so expensive now that I'm not really sure that an event like Wigstock could happen because the tickets would have to be so high. And, mm. you know, I just, uh, and they were high. And uh, a lot of people don't have money. I mean, this, especially now. So I don't really, you know, unless we got a grant or something, um, or, you know, when, when, when COVID is over and I mean, I don't want to even think about doing anything that brings large groups of people together, even outdoors. Yeah. And how did Neil Patrick Harris get involved? Like kind of when it was revived a few years ago? Yeah. He and I had been talking about doing a reality show that would focus on bringing Wigstock back and that idea segued into actually uh, doing a festival. Well, the reality show, the, the last episode was going to be the festival that we did create. The, the Leading up to it would be about, you know, creating it. And we had some funny ideas about our chemistry and, you know, my foul mouth and his kids. And <laughs> that, Well, that would, that would be funny. Yeah, so, um, but it turned into just, uh, you know, doing a movie with HBO, which ain't nothing to sneeze at, and uh, that's that. He 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 uh, performed as Hedwig, with a role that he had done on Broadway. Yeah. And so everybody got in drag, and it was really fun, because it was a lot of the classic Wigstock performers, Taboo, uh, Floyd, um, from the original Wigstock movie, um, Lipsinka, Joey Arias. I mean, I was so glad to get all those girls back together. Some, you know, and we also had some of the top drag race queens and also local New York queens who were, you know, maybe not as well known outside of New York, but they're still great performers. So it was, it was, it was a magical day. I'd love to see it happen again. I don't, um, I, I, I don't think anyone is planning outdoor events right now what's neil patrick harris like as a person i mean he seems fun but yeah he's fun he's fun i like him what about drag race like there were all the drag race girls there are you shocked at like how kind of like how big a thing drag race has come become Thanks for tuning in to part one of our sit down with Lady Bunny and stay tuned for part two, where we talk about Drag Race, more about her good friend RuPaul, about her good friend, Mr. Andrew, Andy Cohn. Does she watch The Housewives? What does she think of Andy's success? What does she think of RuPaul's success? We talk more about New York nightlife and our favorite topic, reality TV. Stay tuned for part two of our sit down with the legend, Lady Bunny. Thanks for listening to yet another episode of Behind the Velvet Rope. Because without you listeners, I would just be a crazy person with voices in my head. And if you like what you hear, subscribe, subscribe, subscribe on Apple Podcasts under Behind the Velvet Rope. And when you're done subscribing, feel free to leave a five-star write-up review. Because the write-up reviews actually count. We read each and every one of them. We post the best ones. And the reviews really help our shows keep going. And we really appreciate everything you guys say, especially the positive ones. And if you want to find us online, we're at Behind Velvet Rope on Instagram. 
We are at David Yontef on Instagram. We're behind The Velvet Rope on Apple Podcasts. Or head on over to Patreon, because you know what? There are just some things we can't talk about here. So for our bonus episodes, go to Patreon and type in Behind the Velvet Rope. And if you still aren't sick of me and you want more David, go to Cameo and book me on Cameo. And you can ask me anything there. I'll answer whatever you want. And I have a bargain basement price of $10. Thank you guys. See you soon.